This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Going for Goal, the weekly women's health podcast with me, Rasheen Devashekane. I hope you're having a good week involving plenty of hand washing and possibly some time away from the news. Um, If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. This show is all about helping you become the healthiest version of yourself, whatever that may mean to you. Each week, I'm joined by a leading health expert or two, and together we give you the tools you need to achieve a specific health goal and make it into a habit. Today, we're looking at how people can pursue their body goals in the gym without slipping into unhealthy habits that suck all the joy out of living a health-conscious lifestyle. The women's health team receive hundreds of requests from women within our community who want to use healthy food and movement to alter the way an element of their body looks. Whether it's wanting to develop your glutes for a perkier, more rounded rear, sculpt your upper arms or just lose excess fat that seems to have snuck up around your middle. And if we were all flesh-covered machines, standardised advice about metrics and measuring and macros would probably work. But inconveniently, we're not. We're complicated. We've got minds with emotions and insecurities, and by now, we've all heard enough accounts of when fitness journeys are taken to extremes and become anything but healthy. So, how do you train to achieve your body goals in a healthy way without risking taking things too far and making yourself miserable? Joining me to ponder the question and provide some actionable tips is Amelia Thompson, a lecturer in sport nutrition at Manchester Metropolitan University with a PhD in exercise physiology. A former bikini fitness athlete, she coaches and educates clients online with science, compassion, and she knows some excellent memes. Welcome, Amelia. (laughs) Thank you. I love that introduction. (laughs) That's my best year, I think. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, and Amelia lent her expertise on body image within the fitness world to Women's Health's research project and body confidence campaign, Project Body Love. So, Amelia, there are lots of slashes in your title. Are you a millennial by any chance? (laughs) Just a little, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm such a cliche, I know. (laughs) Uh, So, how did you start doing what you do? I have always been into science. So, from my undergraduate degree at university, I was always into science um, and sports sports science specifically. And then I kind of carried on my my training outside of the gym, outside of university, went to the gym, um, got my personal trainer qualification and all of my fitness qualifications. And then I went on to a master's in sports nutrition and found myself 
kind of trying to find a way to link the academic side of things with the applied fitness side of things um, and really a way to put the evidence base into practice and at that time evidence-based practice wasn't really spoken about in the fitness industry as as much um, and so I fell into my PhD because I was in the right place at the right time and continued my study through my PhD and at the same time I had a lot of male friends and I was based in Loughborough University and that's very male dominated and sport dominated Mm. and I started going to the gym with them and lifting weights properly and really finding structure in my programme and fell into competing. It was just there for me, somebody mentioned it in passing and it sounded like something fun to do. I didn't realise the extent of what bodybuilding actually was at the time, um, but I was looking for a distraction from my PhD and competing very much offers a, a very immersive um, space. Yeah. It, very, it required complete immersion in it. And this is competing in bikini fitness competitions? In bikini fitness, yes. Yeah. So, um, And it's, it's bodybuilding, so you can imagine it's it's... It is part of that world, so it is mm. very extreme. And so I competed in bodybuilding for quite a few years at the same time as completing my PhD. And then I moved into lecturing and sport nutrition. Mm. And um, people were in that space, but nobody was evidence-based. Nobody mm. talked about the science. And nobody really at that time did both. put their I hate to say put their body out there at that point. That was part of my sport that I did do um, and talk about science. And so I just kind of fell into fit that niche. And I found, as I competed, I found a lot of un, undercover situations going on that weren't spoken about, the kind of dark side of dieting and competing that nobody was authentic about. And for me, I'm quite an authentic person. So I found that I kind of just took that role of I'm going to just overshare and I'm going to tell everyone what actually happens in these situations. Mm. And as a result of that, the types of clients that I now work with are, tend to be the people who have experienced that kind of darker side of dieting and want a more balanced approach. Um, it was personal and academic. They yeah. kind of just fell together, which is nice. For you, did you ever feel like the, that darker side of dieting touched on you or affected you? Yeah, so I've I've always had a, a, an okay relationship with food. Not the best, but okay. Um, but food for me was always my... My um, emotional crutch, so to speak, and and that's been for my whole life, really. Mm. And competing brought that out of me more so than anything anything in my life before, because with competing you might diet say for three months more than that potentially to a very very low body fat and a, in a very extreme way. Mm. And I did my first competition um, and I finished. And it was the, one of the hardest times of my life and nobody had prepared me for that phase because nobody spoke about it. And I found that, you know, I didn't have an eating disorder and it wasn't to that extent, but I, I just had a really distorted relationship with my body and with food. And whenever I tried to reach out to people for support with that, nobody spoke about it. And that's when I started looking into the research behind it to try mm. and get support for myself initially because, yeah, I did experience it myself to, to a minor degree but yeah. it does happen a lot more to a major degree. So that's 
that's where you're coming from this yes. issue too with a lot of passion and a lot of perspective um so you're basically at the moment obviously you lecture as well but you are kind of in the business of helping people with body goals helping yes. them achieve them um do you think that they are still a big motivator when it comes to getting people to start a fitness journey yeah most people have aesthetic goals and even clients that come to me that want to improve their relationship with food they always have that caveat at the end that says i want to improve my relationship with food so that i can drop body fat or so that I can change my body in some way and mm. often that dissipates over time with the work that we do um, but generally speaking yes and I think it's because that's what we're exposed to in the media and on social media and and people want that that gratification that external validation mm. and yeah I think it's still a huge driver and it can be a good driver in some cases and in other cases not so much. That's the point I kind of want to home in on because I think we're so, as I mentioned in the intro, we've all heard stories of when things have gone too far and I think we've become very aware that aesthetic goals in some cases can be damaging. But how can they be useful? In what kind of context? They can be useful if you come at it from approach with a healthy mindset. And generally speaking, people do come at it with a healthy mindset. It's only after a prolonged fixation on this specific body goal which is one of my most hated phrases of all time is it I hate, I, <laughs> no, thanks, thanks think, for agreeing to come on <laughs> no but it's it's in the fitness industry specifically mm. um people the way the context that it's used especially in the, the you know the the fitness industry hardcore fitness is yeah. that i can and i need to look like that and usually this kind of body goal situation is somebody who is um, pharmacologically enhanced, excessively dieted and is not in a very healthy headspace. But because of the nature of the media and social media, it's that's not portrayed at all. Mm. So it can be a good motivator. And I think that at the moment we do have this shift towards um, moving away from dieting and and at the extreme ends, it's, it's starting to get a little bit demonised. And I think that that is an issue in itself we shouldn't be shaming people because they want to change people can change from a place of self-worth and self-compassion and actually self-compassion itself is not just about accepting where you are right now but it's also about taking action towards things that you want to do that you feel will improve your happiness Mm. and if that is you know getting a bigger bum that you know that's fine but I think that removing that kind of end goal as saying that's when I'll be happy that's when the issue arises if you say I will be happy when I reach this goal weight or I will be happy when I have a bigger bum that's the issue that we have because your happiness doesn't come from any of those external things it comes from the internal and and that's quite a clear distinction I think with people who are going to do it in a healthy way Mm. and potentially people that are going to end up in this vicious cycle because once they get a bigger bum then they might want to drop body fat and then it's a consistent cycle where they have pinned this elusive feeling of being really happy Mm. and content on a number or a measurement or whatever yeah and that's when we see those kind of cycles where people might they'll get closer to their goal weight which I always try and remove these types of um end goals from mm. people and they get closer and then they'll they'll find that they self-sabotage and kind of go backwards a little bit away from their goals and then go forwards again because they've set this very clear end point and that's a scary process even if you're not aware of it that's quite scary to think what happens when I reach that point what am I doing with myself when I reach that goal weight absolutely and you've got this huge pressure that says I'm going to be happy there and if you're a couple of kilograms away from your goal weight and you're still not happy Do you want to get to that point and realise you're still not happy? And I think 
people often identify with that kind of external stuff, the, the body weight or the bum or whatever it is. And again, that's the issue. If they if they can f- be comfortable with, with who they are mm. and then want to change, that's completely fine. It's just when they are trying to find themselves or their happiness from this external, that's that's never going to happen. It's never going to work. Yeah. That's such an important point. Yeah. Um, and I guess my next question almost feeds into that. I mentioned Project Body Love up top. Do you think you, someone can love can love their body but still want to change it yes I absolutely do and I I'm quite vocal in this actually and I have been for a while from various um, viewpoints um, because you can be completely happy and you can be in a place of complete self-love but just think but I prefer the look of a more muscular physique Mm. or that's okay to do that and I I don't think that that should be demonised and there's this theory called the paradox of change whereby it, it states that people are more able to change when they're more comfortable with who they are at that point. So if you can find a way to find comfort in where you are at that point, it's actually a more natural process and easier to then change and and reach those goals. But if you're coming from a place of self-hatred, you find yourself punishing your body through exercise and punishing your body through nutrition. And that's not a healthy place to be. But I do believe that you can come from a place of self-love and I've been quite vocal in this. Um, from I had cosmetic surgery last year and I was very yeah. vocal about it didn't make me love myself anymore at, at all. It just made situations, some situations easier for me mm. and and that, don't, that doesn't change my self-love and it didn't mean that I didn't love myself before and I, I think it's really important to know that you can be comfortable and happy but still want to change something aesthetically. That's completely okay. Yeah, and I think that's... That's an that's an important bit of nuance that I think this conversation really needs. Um, so you've kind of pursued body goals before, and not it's not gone to like a great place. Now you say, do, would you say that now you have like a, a a great relationship with food and exercise? Yeah, 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 yeah the best ever. What was the what was the shift? How did you get from A to B? Yeah, so bodybuilding is in in general not a healthy sport, mm. and um, there's nobody that can reach that level of extreme leanness. And, and be healthy it's just impossible but you and can, you were extremely lean I was extremely lean I didn't realise it was possible to almost have that many muscles on your stomach it's like an anatomical <laughs> drawing it's incredible and they're still there they're just hidden a little bit yeah. more now <laughs> um, yeah I think um, with bodybuilding it was very externally focused so I was focused on um, hitting my numbers that I knew that I had to hit with my macros or my training Mm. I was focused on the external validation that came from looking a certain way and getting trophies and winning that was all very externally focused and that's that's not a healthy place to be because you completely switch off any sort of body mind congruence that you have going on you completely switch that off because you can't listen to your internal cues you have to fight past the point of comfort and that's again not a healthy place to be but it's necessary for that sport Mm. whereas now it is very much from a place of um, internal cues so for example now I will if I'm hungry I will eat if I'm full I'll stop eating Mm. if I I will train really hard and I will you know log my lifts and, and follow some progression but I don't ever do anything to the point where I feel like I'm not listening to my body anymore and there's a big shift between that external focus of dieting and the internal focus that I think people with the best relationships with food and their body very much have that internal focus and 
not a lot of us have it anymore because we've dieted for so long or we've we base what we should be doing on other people that we we don't trust ourselves anymore mm. and that's that's a big problem and i think that once you kind of reestablish your, your trust in yourself and your internal cues then everything feels a lot easier and it's a lot healthier and so you've almost gone from this very metric focused mm. approach to your health and fitness to a much more intuitive one absolutely that and i think there's a whole movement around intuitive eating which is it just a bit more extreme and it's quite it's a bit more regimented and it's very anti-diet and that's a, a movement in itself and an intervention in itself but just simply eating intuitively moving intuitively and coming from a place of respect for your body you can do that with your diet if you're dieting as well if you respect your body then you're doing it from a place of caring and it's just a much healthier mindset to have when you approach anything regardless yeah. of whether you're dieting or not mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. How would someone know, okay, right, I want to, say if someone has decided that they want to lose, I don't know, a few inch, like an inch or so off their waist or whatever, and they want to diet but they're thinking oh god do I respect my body what is what are some signs that someone is going into that with a mindset that is that can handle it at that point yeah firstly that they like we said before that they're not basing their future happiness on that outcome secondly a really good approach to it is actually looking at more a more process-based approach rather than the outcome-based approach of saying I'm going to get healthier or I'm going to change my physique, say, by going to the gym a couple of times a week or tracking my macros or, or, or something like that. So mm. something that is process-based rather than goal uh, outcome-based is so, so important. And that's a much healthier approach to take rather than this kind of end point approach. Interesting. Because I've, I've heard before from older male kind of sports scientists basically and sports psychologists basically talking about how goals are so important to be a it's so important to have a thing mm. a number one thing set in stone but actually well I know personally for me that those process I haven't always had the best relationship with food either um, and I think in order for me to kind of feel my way back into being interested in 
health and fitness again, I've found those process different roles, goals so much more helpful. Yeah, they really, really are. That's that's really cool. And again, your process based goals are going to be different if you're trying to lose body fat versus if you're trying to restore your relationship with food and or health. You know, you can you can be a lot healthier regardless of your body weight. And so it's they're very specific to kind of what your goals are. Totally. But having those process based goals is is far healthier than having those kind of outcome based goals. So at the goal setting stage, process driven goals are good. Where should we be looking for? Because obviously it's so important to be inspired. Mm. Like every psychologist will tell you that at the start, but where is it helpful to look for inspiration and then where is it not? Yeah, so this is a really quite a difficult one because everywhere can be good sources of information and bad sources of information. <laughs> Generally, it can be is about where your boundaries and what you choose to look at for inspiration in these spaces and we can take social media for example yep. it's a, such a classic and easy example whereby yep. if you follow people who who inspire you by being authentic and are very open and honest then that can be a good source of inspiration for you because you can see what potentially is achievable for you and you don't have these unrealistic expectations which a lot of people do have um but if you follow someone who is genetically um, predisposed to a certain body shape, they are potentially enhanced in some way and they are they, they're really unhealthy on the inside, but they don't vocalise that, then you're really in a bad place of getting inspiration from them because it's completely dishonest and it's not achievable for mm. what you want to do. And we know, again, like social media use is associated with body dissatisfaction. So there are some great accounts on social media that are authentic and and do put across a really balanced approach but they're few and far between unfortunately Mm. Um, and nowadays our issue is when we have social media we are exposed to a lot more than what we would be if we were just at home and exposed to our siblings and our best friends so we have this really much greater social comparison with social media and a lot of the time it's upward social comparison it's people who we think have um, who are leaner than us or who have more muscle than us and that can be it can be motivating for some people but it can also be demoralizing for some people and a lot of it does come down to your responsibility as a person to to filter that and and really ask yourself when you're looking at these things does this actually motivate me and does it motivate me from a place of um, inspiration or does it motivate me from a place of I feel demoralized and now I hate myself and that's that's a very fine line and you do have to I, I am a big advocate for personal responsibility on this because we can't mm. control what other people do but we can very much control what we expose ourselves to I had something quite good one time it was by I think it was Natasha Devon who's like a mental health campaigner and she was saying that she says think about social media the way like in the way that you would think about old media and obviously I love this because I work for a magazine publishing company <laughs> but yes talk about talk about um, printed things more um, and she said that you should think about like when you go on Instagram you should basically think about it like you're walking into WH Smith or something just because you walk in and there's all these magazines and books on every single topic doesn't mean you have to read them like I won't pick up a magazine about I don't know World War Two, whatever, or like tunnels and tunneling, or you know, there's some, there is something for everyone, and you choose what you're interested in. And she was saying that basically, it's almost like our brains haven't caught up with that yet. Yeah, on social media, we're just like, wow, yeah, it's consume, all this consume. Is, consume, 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 with absolutely no discerning. And yeah. I think that's a really good point that you do need to take a little bit of responsibility yeah. for how you feel. 
can you advise how someone can tell, you know, if they see a, pe- a piece of content, say it's a workout video, what's a good sign that that is motivating them from a positive place as opposed to a negative one? It's very much about actually listening to the voices in your head and actually there's this concept of um, it's quite a spiritual concept and it's a very compassionate concept but it's about the awareness that you are not those voices in your head and you are you are the awareness that can hear those voices in your head and that's a really empowering thing to realize where you know yourself and the people listening have got all these conversations in their head right now and they're talking away and they've they're thinking about other things but actually we have the power to say I don't want to listen to that right now just stop And those conversations will stop because we have the power to do that. And when scrolling social media, and this is something I do with clients, I say to them, you know, listen to the voices in your head as you're looking at that picture. What are they saying to you? Are they saying, I should be doing that. I'm not doing enough. You know, I need to go to the gym now. Or are they saying, that looks really interesting. I'm going to try that in the gym tomorrow. They're very, very different approaches. And you can do that with social media. You can do that with magazines, anything at all, because even in magazines, there's going to be parts of it that you think, that's fantastic, I want to do that. And parts of it that that might be a bit of a trigger for you. And I find it myself with other with colleagues as being someone that's self-employed. I have friends that I don't look at their social media because it triggers me to think I should be working harder. Yeah. And that's those voices in my head. And I know that I'm working hard enough. So I just kind of remove that from my space. Yeah. And so... For anybody listening to those voices in their head and being able to kind of just tell them to be quiet is so empowering with so many different concepts. But that is specifically um, calling them out and saying, what are they saying to me right now? And and kind of listening to those. Mm. And then if they are negative, just unfollow or even mute that person if if it's a friend and you don't want to. Insult them. Yeah. <laughs> Start a drama. Such is the life that we live. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, so cultivate this self-awareness about what makes you feel good and what doesn't is a really good place to start. Okay, so now let's look at nutrition. Obviously, it's one of your areas of specialty and there's the whole abs that are made in the kitchen thing. How important is nutrition when it comes to achieving body goals? extremely important nutrition is extremely important and when I say nutrition I don't just mean calorie counting because that's not necessarily good for some people I mean finding a if you're weight training for example protein is so important so you can go to the gym and weight train five times a week but if you're not meeting your getting sufficient protein in your diet then you are not maximising your adaptation to that training. And most of our body goals, at least for the people that I work with, tend to be related to muscle in some way, whether it be shape, building shape or losing body fat. Um, and so there are some basic nutritional habits that are really important. I do think that it's often off, often overcomplicated. And Interesting. especially in the, fit, the health and fitness space, people often think that you need to do a lot more with your nutrition than you really do. And if you're okay. looking to lose body fat, you only really need a calorie deficit and to and to eat enough protein, and and then kind of look at your more health focused nutrition goals. So, making sure that you get essential fat, for example, in your diet, mm. supplementing if you're vegan, those types of things are important. But it is often overcomplicated. But yes, you do need to be mindful of your nutrition. You are never going to, for example, lose body fat if you are not in a calorie deficit. Yeah. And so you do need to be mindful of that. And a calorie deficit, just to spell it out totally, is that you are burning off more calories than you are taking in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And can someone, I don't know, Can because calories are funny, aren't they? Because I feel like there was a real time when everyone was logging everything on my mm. fitness pal and there's been a real move 
away from that? Can someone kind of alter their body composition in favour of less fat and more muscle without monitoring calories that kind of way? Yes. You you don't have to count calories, but calories still count. And that's kind of the rule to okay. live by. So you can technically, you know, you can eat slightly less. So you can look at, for example, you can look at these process-based goals of saying, I'm going to have protein at each meal, mm-hmm. say, throughout the day, and I'm going to have vegetables with each meal. Um, and I'm going to look at my portion sizes and make sure half of the plate is vegetables. You know, basic kind of guidelines for meals. And potentially lose body fat because you're in a calorie deficit without actually counting. Some yeah. people benefit from um, intermittent fasting techniques, but again, these are these are for people that have a, a good relationship with food and are in a, in a healthy space to do that. Mm. And that doesn't suit everyone. So there are lots of different ways that you can that you can approach it. And it's very dependent on the type of mindset that you have. Um, yeah. But most people who are dieting should have a healthy relationship with food in some way, ideally in the first place. So there are different options that you can use. So intermittent fasting, portion sizes, um, saying I'm not going to snack after dinner. There are such yeah. so many small process-based habits that you can implement so there's a lot of research around there's a lot of research around dieting in general and dieting we know increases your um, food preoccupation so you get you think about food a lot more it increases your um, body preoccupation so you're more obsessed with your body Um, you get these disordered eating habits so that might be um, missing meals with family and friends for favour of staying at home and being able to count your macros that's a sign that something is not right with your relationship with food all the way to the extremes of increasing your risk of binge eating um, as a result of this really regimented dichotomous thinking and tracking your macros so we know that that does happen and the research is there to support that so um, you don't ever want anyone to feel that they are so fully attached to to tracking their calories and their macros that they then develop these other disordered eating habits. Mm. Um, And macros as well, again, just to be super basic, Mm -hmm. that's protein, fat and carbs. Exactly, yeah. So the main constituents of food. Interesting. So if someone's listening to that and is just feeling a little bit awkward and they're kind of cringing in recognition, what would you, if they're being really honest with themselves, maybe they're not where they should be um, when it comes to their relationship with food, what would you suggest they do to improve that? Good question. Take a step back, first of all, if they are, especially if they are dieting, take a step back from dieting and, and really ask ask yourself, is dieting the right thing for me right now? Um, because if you have a, if you do have this disordered eating, the disordered eating, then dieting is not the right thing. Um, but also really challenge yourself and look at your habits. So for example, if you find that actually you have cancelled your weekend plans, challenge yourself to then go back and do these things that you've that you've previously kind of stopped yourself from doing and actually look at your habits and think is this rational and is this is this healthy for me yeah. um and really just reassess where you're coming from and I just think taking a step back from dieting is the most important thing at that point and looking at how you can reintroduce health back into your diet little things like well actually a lot of dieters don't eat fruit anymore because of the calories in it which is just obscene Mm. so doing things like right I'm going to especially when we're all talking about the importance of immunity and getting the full spectrum of vitamins it's ridiculous but then when I was competing the first time I, I, I think the only fruit I ate was blueberries for three months or something because I, I didn't want to waste the calories and that's terrifying and that's a really sad byproduct of diet culture very sad and so things like that so saying you know if you're somebody that doesn't 
eat fruit because of the calories, reintroduce basic healthful habits again. So having fruit with a couple of meals a day or looking at, again, something that's lacking a lot with people who diet to the extreme is essential fat intake. We know that we need fat. It's essential. We, we yeah. can't make it. But they don't eat oily fish because it's too calorie dense. Feed in something we were talking about on the podcast. We had Kimberly Wilson on and she was talking about eating for mental health oh she's great and how important those things are mm. and because it's so if that's the problem isn't it if we reduce food down to on the one hand the numbers and then on the one hand this good and bad binary you miss out on all these other yeah and dichot- that that what, what you were saying there about that very dichotomous um bracketing of food is so important regardless of your goals practicing food neutrality is so important so not classing foods as good and bad or cheat meals or you know any sort of negative and positive connotations with food and it's very hard in this environment where foods are advertised to us as like halo foods and health foods and you know um, it's very important not to do that regardless of what you're doing at the moment with your nutrition because that dichotomous thinking does increase your risk of disordered eating and it does increase your risk of binge eating and that evidence is there so regardless of whether you have a a meal that's not in your macros it's not a cheap meal it's just it's just a meal and removing that that self-talk is so important is that we've talked a lot about nutrition but just quickly on fitness is that does that same logic kind of apply like to almost thinking I don't know if you're so rigid on thinking about what you are going to do as your workouts like this is a good workout because I've burnt 800 plus calories this isn't because I've just done a gentle yoga class I don't think the evidence is there for that as such but that it would make complete sense whereby if you go to a yoga class and you which is fantastic for mental health and especially if it's incorporates some meditation in there and then you come away thinking well I only burned 200 calories in that in that class that's not very good that's obviously again that's dichotomous thinking and we want to remove that as much as we can and actually one of the best things you can do is remove the the kind of focus on expenditure of training I just think that's so detrimental you you go into you go to lift weights to build muscle or or you go to yoga to improve your mindfulness or your flexibility, mm. whatever your reason, you don't go to burn calories. You only burn something like five, 10%, I think it is, of your daily cal- calories in the gym if you're lucky. Everything else happens outside of the gym. So just focus on your normal life and just use those times to actually enjoy and use it as a experience to grow in some way rather than using it as an experience to burn off something that you ate which is the worst mindset that you can have. Yeah. Again, sucking the joy out of something that should be so yeah. fun. Yeah, the- absolutely. And food is fun. <laughs> and food is fun. And training should be fun. Okay, um, I think we're almost out of time. If there's one thing you'd like listeners to take away from this about how they can really go for these body goals um, without slipping into unhealthy habits, what would it be? It would be to come at it from a place of self-compassion. So self-compassion involves taking action. Should you need to take action, it involves being comfortable with where you are right now. And it also involves the awareness that you are not your thoughts. And it also involves being mindful. And that's what self-compassion is. If you incorporate all of those things into your thoughts around your nutrition and your training, I think that you set yourself up to be in a good place. Brilliant. All right, Amelia, thank you so much for coming on. That's a fascinating discussion. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.